Alrighty, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to Football Addicts Anonymous. Another Monday show here. Uh, we got the college football playoff national championship tonight in a few hours. Um, but we had some upsets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very exciting weekend of football. Yeah. And I'm wearing a hockey jersey because uh, it's <laughs> hockey season for me now, considering what happened. Mm-hmm. But um, let's get into the games, NFL games that we had. Uh, Super Wild Card Weekend, first time ever having six games on Wild Card Weekend. We'll start off Saturday games, the Bills taking care of business at home against the Colts, 27-24. And Josh Allen, again, looked really good. The thing that I said, though, especially at halftime, was I thought the Colts looked like the better team most mm-hmm. of the first half. Um, yeah, it was just a couple uh, questionable calls by the Colts offense there. Um, with, like, the... Uh, <laughs> The uh, the choice to go for the two point conversion at one point, the choice to go for the touchdown rather than kick the field goal. There's a couple things that if they had just done what they were supposed to do, they would have won this game. Yeah, I know uh, a big thing uh, when we were watching it um, was that the ending sequence was mm-hmm. weird. Uh, to say the least, I uh, we were talking about it here, and I was like, well, f- I already know Phillip Rivers can't throw it 50 yards to the mm-hmm. end zone. So I thought, anyways, well, I know I know Mark thought it should have never gotten to that point, but um, <clears throat> I thought that when it did get down to the last play, they, they should have put Brissett in to throw the mm-hmm. ball because he could have got it to the end zone. Uh, yeah. at, at the very least, but um, uh, it's funny because I was watching the games with my dad, and he said the same thing that you, if you want to win a game on that play, you have to get it to the end zone, which Philip Rivers cannot do. Yeah, from what was it, fifty yards out or whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was, and just like I said before, that was just one of the questionable calls from. Frank Reich and the rest of the Colts coaching staff. Yeah, plus the the two throwaways by Rivers, the two plays before, where if they would have gotten, well, they ended up at the forty-seven, uh, which would have made it a sixty-five-yard field goal, which Rodrigo does not have the leg for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if they could have just even got you know, to the 40 mm-hmm. and made it a 58. I know when Rusty and I were watching it. <laughs> Love nope. going in and out of service. <laughs> but, yeah, I think if they could have even got a couple, you know, seven yards to get to the 40-yard line. I would have given given Rodrigo a shot from 58. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
Two throwaways and then, uh... <laughs> That's what I was, when we were watching this together, that was what I was saying was, I would have went shorter yards and tried to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but I think the uh, total amount of points that the Colts left on the board was like 11 points. So, yeah, they would have won this game by a, two scores, I think, if they had actually converted all their points. Yeah, all in all, I mean, Phillip Rivers, I thought, played pretty good, pretty well. Um, <coughs> Michael Pittman went away in the second half. Yep. I don't even know if – well, he was targeted, I'm sure, because he only caught half his targets. But, um, you know, they just couldn't find him in the second half. And yeah. but and I don't know if it was that uh, that Tredavious White was shutting down T.Y. Hilton or not, but I didn't really see his name come up too often in the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, Colts did cover plus six and a half, and the over-under – 51 pushed. Let's go to the middle game. Uh, I don't really want to talk about this game because it ruined every parlay. And I told Mark, I said, if I pick the Rams next season, make sure you correct me to make sure I do not pick the Rams because I am not picking the Rams all next year because of this game. Um, This game is absolutely horrible. Uh, to uh-huh. start, anyways, I mean, they finally got points in the second half, but my God, was Russell Wilson and Jared Goff just absolute trash in the first half? Well, Goff wasn't even supposed to be playing. Yeah, but uh, John Wolford got knocked out by uh, I don't even remember who Jamal him, Adams. But... Oh yeah, it was Jamal Adams, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. This the thing is is this is the second straight season that the Seahawks have done this. Um, you know, they just go downhill at the end of the season for some odd reason. Um, I mean, last year obviously they won the playoff game in Philly, but then they lost the next round. So, hey, what? Aaron Donald wasn't wasn't wrong when he said that they wanted Russell Wilson. And interesting fact, the most sacks that he's had in all quarterbacks in the NFL is on Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of factors that, for that though, because like for one, they're in the division, so he plays them twice a year. Two, no, Wilson just, is a running quarterback, and three, the Seahawks' fun. offensive line is terrible. So. Hey, they, Aaron Donald said they wanted him, and they got him. I, it was, it was a terror. It was a jump game. The Rams won it by jumping it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this could have been even worse than ten points had Aaron Donald actually played most of the second half. Uh, went out with a rib injury, but I was just dumbfounded when it was like late first or early second. And they popped up the stat that Aaron Donald had two sacks. I was like, Aaron Donald has two sacks already? We're only in the first half. Yep. It's like, my I lord. <laughs> but yeah, the the Rams defensive line really. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you can see right there. There's 
five sacks between three of the four uh, defenders I have there for the Rams. And also, though, I think if if Darius Williams doesn't get that pick six, uh, I will say this: like moving <laughs> this this game possibly goes to overtime. I think if Darius Williams doesn't. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear me, but uh, <laughs> going in and out of <laughs> They have to do something with their offense. Like, there's no reason that you have Metcalf, Lockett, and Russell Wilson and can't score more points. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. they need to rethink how they're play calling and get more creative. Is I guess a word that I would use. Well, it's exactly what I said before. They need a better offensive line. To protect from people like uh, yeah. Aaron Donald. Uh, yeah. One one thing Pete Carroll said today in his postseason presser was uh, they're going to go back and commit more to the run in 2021. <laughs> Didn't he say that last year, too? Yeah. I feel like I heard him say that last year. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. All I know is, as a Jets fan, I really enjoyed this game because, one, the Seahawks losing gave the Jets a better draft pick now. They're now the 23rd overall pick. And the Rams, even though I want the Saints to win it all, I also wouldn't mind seeing the Rams in the Super Bowl against the Browns because that would mean that the 2-14 and 14 Jets beat the two Super Bowl teams, which would be the greatest thing ever. But That would be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, but that's not happening. They're both probably going to lose next week. Um. Yeah. I know. I know a lot of people that talk talked about this game were saying that you know, Jared Goff came in and won on the game, but he really didn't. <laughs> he no. It was he deep. sucked. <laughs> it was Cam Akers, uh, with a workman like, you know, major workload for him. And then Jared Goff just threw a wide-open touchdown at the end to seal it. But, um, yeah, not picking the Rams ever in 2021. So, there's that. The Rams cover plus three uh, over 42. Mr. Brady winning in his first game as a wild-card team ever. 31-23 over the Washington football team. And Brady, completion percentage wasn't there, but, I mean, he balled out all night. But I do want to shout out Taylor Heineke. Taylor Mm -hmm. Heineke played his ass off, and he looked really good doing it (laughs) against a tough Bucks defense. Yeah. Um, No, but, yeah, the Buccaneers were the wild card team and all that, but they were the favorite going in, and... They were even more the favorite when Alex Smith was announced out. So, I mean, this game was pretty much as expected. Although, I, I got to say, it was probably closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Bucks just came in and took care of business like they were supposed to. 
Yeah, uh, Ronald Jones didn't play in this game because his he couldn't get his quad uh, to loosen up during pregame. So uh, Leonard Fournette got the bulk of the carries, uh, ran very well. Obviously, almost five yards per carry there, and also the game ceiling touchdown as well. Um, I think that was, for me, that was the big difference in this game because he helped balance out. We know Brady's going to have Gronk and A.B. and Evans. So when you can get the running game going, the Buccaneers, then they're they're even that more, you know, dangerous. Yeah. I think – Wasn't Gronk not even, like, targeted in this game or something or he didn't get, catch a pass or something? I heard them say something along those lines on the show this morning. He was, that he was just blocking so much that he never really went out for a catch. Yeah, he was targeted one time, no catches. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because, you know, Mike Evans, who was questionable with his yeah. knee injury. Did, yeah, he had himself a day. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy uh, that Mike Evans was even questionable for this game. But I think this was a good good game for the Bucks. Uh, to win it close, uh, but win it against a quality defense because they're going up another against another one next week. So uh, I think this was a good test, first test for the Bucks in the playoffs, um, and it'll kind of prepare them better for uh, next week. The Washington football team covered, though, plus eight and a half half-pointer there. And the over 45 hit. Sunday's game. Ravens beating the Titans in Nashville 20-13. to um, And again, people are saying how, you know, Lamar, this is, Lamar got his first playoff win. But I don't even really know who it was. I mean, yeah, I think. Lamar through the air. I, I thought Lamar should have been better through the air. Only 179 yards off of 17 completions is not going to get it done against a quality defense. I would not consider the Titans a quality defense. Yeah, no. Uh, but Lamar running the ball is really how they won the game, I think. Um, yeah, he had that, what, 46-yard touchdown or something like that? Yeah. That, I, will have, <laughs> I will say, though, that that wasn't a designed run. So his improvisation of the play, I mean, that's why he is as good as he is. He can just take the ball even when it's not supposed to be a quarterback run. I mean, I think that winning a playoff game, you know, it it can relax you since you haven't won a playoff game. So I think that's big for his for his psychological standpoint. But it still, to me, reminded me of Ravens football. Smash mouth. They bottled up Derrick Henry, who had over 2,000 yards in the regular season. And they had a quarterback that did just enough, you know, to win a game. And how many times have we seen that out of out of Ravens in the past when they've been successful in the playoffs? Yeah. Um, yeah, Derrick Henry, not not a good day at all. Um, but I, you know, the difference though, between this one, and the week 11 game though, I thought was Calais Campbell. 
because he didn't play in that game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing though that that when the play, Titans played the Colts, when DeForest Buckner didn't play. You know, the biggest guys on the line aren't playing, so it's easier to run on them. So, uh, even though Calais Campbell's stats aren't up there, uh, I think he was a big key component in stopping Derrick Henry in the run game. Um, I mean, even if he doesn't have the like physical stats, just his presence there makes a difference yeah i do i do think moving forward if if both teams are to advance this week weekend i do think the ravens are built to their defense is built towards stopping trying to stop the chiefs offense well we'll see what our picks are on uh friday but Lamar's still 0-2 against Kansas City, so. I mean, he's got to get past Buffalo first, so. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he, he can even get past them. I'm just, I know that getting Campbell and getting Peters and stuff, they, they've been building to try to beat the Chiefs. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. I'm not saying they're capable, but they've been building towards that. Yeah. The Ravens covered a minus 3.5 and, and under 54. Middle game on yesterday, Saints getting the win twenty-one to nine. Um, yeah, there's only Chicago defenders on here because the Bears' offense did absolutely nothing. Um, I mean, they scored that walk-off touchdown at the end that Jimmy Graham just got up and ran into the locker room after. But uh, yeah, but that helped me at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it didn't end up having helping me overall. Uh, granted, though, I do have the text that to prove that I called that 99-yard touchdown drive at the end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. This game was boring, to say the least. It was pretty boring. Uh. I have no idea why Anthony Miller got ejected. I I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, what Anthony did Miller not did. either. And I don't know if the 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 refs were just going off of Javon Wims from earlier in the season when the two teams played. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think Anthony Miller should have got ejected for his yeah, I don't punch. Know. But um. Uh, the the uh, the Saints defense looked really good in this one. Obviously, like I said, the only touchdown they gave up was that last second touchdown, which they didn't really care about at that point. Um, but the offense, even though they only did score three touchdowns, they were moving the ball, and they were they had the ball for a long time. Like I think they had the ball for three only three drives in the second half or something like that, and they were all for like. Six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it ended up being like about 40 to 21 time possession. Yeah, so the Saints doubled up on the Bears pretty much. Which, that's how you're going to win a game. Yeah. I mean, I think this game, though, would have been different. 
had Javon Wims actually caught the dang ball. Oh, yeah, that, that was pretty bad, too. One of Trubisky's first throws where they had the trick play, mm-hmm. uh, and it was wide open, and he just literally dropped it. The play after, he made a fantastic sideline catch, uh, which made absolutely no sense. He can catch the hard ones, but he can't catch the easy ones. Um, Some people are just yeah, like that. I agree. I think it would have been it would have changed the landscape for sure. And I and I agree with with Chris. Time of possession. I've always said football is is down distance field position when you can control it. But the fact that one of the touchdowns the Saints had was that wasn't even part of the offensive. Latavius Murray just fell down on a block, got up, caught a pass, and mm-hmm. scored a touchdown. So really, I mean, that's how boring the game, you know, the game is. Because if he doesn't get up and Breeze doesn't buy time, then they might not even score um, on that drive. Or at least they would have they would have kicked the field goal. So if the Bears could have mustered any ounce of offense, especially if they would have caught that Wims would have caught that first open catch, I think it's just a, a different ball game in my opinion. Uh, I just wish the Saints would have helped me out and let Kamara score the first touchdown instead of Michael Thomas. Um, that would have been great. Uh, I was very surprised, though, how well of a game De- Deontay Harris had. Usually not a receiver, usually just the returner. Um, but he had himself career highs in catches and yards in this game. The Saints covered minus 11 and under 48. All right, we're going to skip the last game. (laughs) We are. The Browns are the Browns. Dude, I just... I started drinking in the first quarter. Um... I just didn't, like, literally, from the first snap, my jaw just dropped the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, 28-0 in the first quarter, that's very difficult to come back from. Uh, They made it a game there at the end, though, coming back and making only 11 points, but. When they made it. I really thought. Yeah, when they made it 35-10 to at halftime, I thought. Possibly. Um, the Browns are going to do the most Brown thing. Uh-huh. But, yeah, well, like I told my friend, who's a Steelers fan as well, I was like, you know, you can't, you can't turn the ball over five times, have about four drops, and give up over 40 points and still expect to win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, it really is unheard of. I mean, Pouncey is an all-pro through and through, and he goes over a Hall of Fame quarterback's head. And then Connor can't get on the football. Ben looks so old he can't even pick it up off the ground, and they score, and then he ends up throwing four picks. It was I mean, You couldn't get any more disastrous. And the score still is 48-37 when you think about it. That's still what got me, like, the Steelers got back in the game, for the most part, 
they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, but they, on the uh, on Good Morning Football this morning, they were ripping into Roethlisberger for that first play because he didn't, one, look like he wanted to pick it up, and two, if you don't want to pick it up or don't want to dive for it, then kick it through the end zone so it's only two points instead of seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I had I true. had no that idea how that ball wasn't downed at the two-yard line or at least, at the very worst, the safety. Um but i think it was the it, the biggest issue for that was i don't think ben and james were communicating right mm-hmm. and someone has to say i got it and the other person get off well um, i will i will say this i mean the the score makes you throw the ball a lot more to get back into the game but the Steelers' demise this season was just the running game, you know, disappeared after Connor got injured, and that was just their demise. I mean, you can't – they just kept throwing it and throwing it and throwing it after their first 11 wins, and people caught on to it. Well, I mean, that's been their demise pretty much since Le'Veon Bell left um, because, I don't know, James Connor's always hurt. And when he's not, he they had, don't use him a lot. He had a thousand yard season the year after Bell left. Yeah, well, but they um, gotta get back. I think they have to get back to that. Well, the issue is they need to draft and develop linemen. It's the same thing with the Eagles, but um, and you need to find a quarterback. Yeah, but you know, I I thought the runs that Connor did have were really good actually in this game uh there were just two major calls that i can remember that just made me shake my head at the steelers one was a third and short um they had like three straight third and ones the one drive uh or two straight something like that the first time they gave it to Derek Watt on a fullback dive and they got it second time they I believe ran it with James Conner and got it then the third time they go back to the fullback dive and I just I didn't understand why you would do that like okay you get it one time but if you're gonna if they think you're going to do that again, I would have done fake fullback dive, pitch out to James Conner, get him on the edge, get him running downhill. Um, but that's just me. The other one was the same thing that happened in the Titans game where Mike Vrabel punted on fourth and two. Uh, yeah. And then the Ravens yeah. went down and scored. But it's the same thing in this one. They were on their own, I think, 40-yard line or something like that. Down, I don't even know what the score was at that point. Uh, Let me try to find it here. Uh, Yeah, I believe, yeah. Yeah, that was the one there. They were down... 35 to 23. So you're down two touchdowns. 
going into the fourth quarter, on your own 46-yard line, you have fourth and one. And you, you don't go for it. <laughs> I was I, – I, I was with Chris Collinsworth because Chris Collinsworth said I would 100%, 1,000% would have went for that. And I agree because you got to be aggressive. You're down the whole game. Why not? Uh-huh. I know the whole fourth quarter, but you haven't been able to stop them most of the whole game. So uh, it made no sense not go for it there for me. Anyways. So the quarterbacks, Mayfield, Allen, and Jackson, all win their wild card weekends. All from the same draft class. Yep, and then there's Sam Darnold sitting on his couch. And, <laughs> and Josh Rosen. Yeah. But he's he might he still has a shot at getting a ring though. Because <laughs> yeah, he was on the Buccaneers this year. Or wait, no, did did they sign him from to no, San Fran? No, the 49ers. Did they, 49ers I forgot. I forgot they signed him to San Francisco. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Anyways, uh, this also the the Browns running game was lights out. Um, this also snapped the steal. I don't know if it counts or not. If if this game counts in the streak or not of 73 straight games with a sack. I don't know if it's just regular season I, or if it includes postseason. But uh, I'm glad you mentioned the running game because that's the one thing that I thought was most unique last night. The Browns actually flipped the script because Hunt usually is a you know pass catcher. And kind of lightning. Well, Chubbs was more of the pass catcher last night, and then they kind of pounded the football with Hunt. They split roles. Yeah, the Steelers just couldn't get any pressure, which made no sense considering they had a backup uh, left guard in there. They eventually ended up with their third string left guard and their backup right tackle in the game and they still couldn't get any pressure on Baker Mayfield. Um, but as as well as they had the issue, uh, one of the other biggest issues that happened in this game was Alex Highsmith got hurt, so their Steelers were down to their backup outside linebacker. Um, Cassius Marsh was in for most of the game there, opposite T.J. Watt, so that didn't help at all either. Um... The Browns plus five and over 47. Browns got it by themselves. Browns first playoff win since 1994. Mm-hmm. With Bill In Bell- my entire life. With Bill Belichick. Yep. All right. And uh, look, before we move on, though, I just wanted to point out that it, this year, I think, is officially the changing of the guard here for the quarterbacks in the AFC because – Baker Mayfield in this in this divisional round is the oldest player in the AFC, oldest quarterback in the AFC, still in here, at 25 years and 272 days old. So there's none of the older guys in there right now. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. No NCAA news uh, that I saw this week. So. We're going to start off with the biggest news of the day. Doug Peterson has been fired by the Eagles 
the Eagles become the seventh head coach opening this offseason. And Matt Miller, anyways, says that um, it's the worst opening uh, that there is. Which I'm not. Go ahead, Mark. I mean, I think it's a tough one because of the quarterback situation. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? That's exactly why I had been saying for weeks now, I think 2021 you should have kept Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why they waited until now to fire him. Who knows? Because of the quarterback situation, because of the cap situation that they're in, um, it's it's a tough situation to go to, uh, but I I am hearing now that apparently with Peterson out, Carson Wentz is more likely to stay now uh, because that was Carson Wentz just didn't like Doug Peterson apparently. Um, I, I was I was wondering if it would elevate him to stay in or maybe. You know, he becomes their franchise quarterback once again with, with a new coach. I'm eager to see how that plays out. Yeah, and it's funny because every time a, a coach gets fired uh, and then you look at the team and how, what their situation is and everything, uh, you know, they, they always just start throwing names out. Um, but before I do that, uh, Peterson in five seasons, 46, 39, and one, uh, four and two in the postseason, including Super Bowl 52 title. Um, one person that I've heard a lot about today, Chiefs quarterbacks coach, Mike Kafka, former Eagles quarterback, part of the Andy Reid coaching tree now. Um, who knows? Uh, has never been an offensive coordinator, just a quarterback's coach. So um, that would be interesting, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And also, Chris, I'm sure you've heard about it by now, that Doug Peterson to the Jets is a possibility because of the Joe mm-hmm. Douglas connection. Yeah. <laughs> well, over the last couple of days when there was question marks about his future in Philly, I was hearing all sorts of reports that they might trade him to the Jets and stuff, and I was like... <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Not that I don't want him, because like he is an experienced coach. He has won the Super Bowl and all that. But I didn't want to trade for him, because the Jets are that bad. They need those draft picks to be able to draft players. So I'm much more willing to get him now that he's like on the market. Yeah. He ended up being the fourth Super Bowl winning head coach to be fired since 2000. Um Including uh, Mike Holmgren, Andy Reid, and trying to think of the other one. Bill Cower. Cower was fired, wasn't he? I don't know. I don't remember. No. I think that might have been the fourth one. Or no. Peterson was the fourth coach. Never mind. So, yeah. Yeah. Andy Reid was fired. Uh... But he wasn't well. Well, he wasn't a Super Bowl winning coach at the yeah, time. Yeah, I was gonna say he wasn't a winner. <laughs> he yeah. was in the Super Bowl. He didn't win it. I don't know. I don't know who the other three were. John Gruden. John, John Gruden was one. 
So him, Holmgren. I don't know who the third one would be. Coughlin, was he fired? Yes. Didn't Mike, McCar- didn't Mike McCarthy win one with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. True. I have no idea. Maybe Holmgren wasn't on the list. Though. Yeah, he won. <laughs> he won one. I don't with know. McCarthy, with Aaron Rodgers. Anyways. Oh, but it's only since 2000, so yeah, Holmgren wouldn't be on the list. Never mind. But, anyways, before Peterson was fired, these were the suggestions that he was going to make, or that he had made to Jeffrey Lurie for changes to the staff um, for this upcoming season. He wanted to promote quarterbacks coach Press Taylor to offensive coordinator, which is fine. I've heard a lot about Press Taylor um, as an up-and-coming coach on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, He wanted to move... Andrew Briner from um, pass game analyst to quarterbacks coach. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> and then uh, for the defensive coordinator spot to fill Jim Schwartz's shoes, he wanted to either promote uh, defensive line coach Matt Burke or bring back uh, ex-defensive backs coach Corey Undlin um, to be the DC there. And he also wanted to retain uh, special teams coordinator Dave Phipp, which I think would have been a great move. Um, I think Dave Phipp's one of the better special teams coordinators out there. But Jeffrey Laurie wanted external candidates. He wanted guys that had top credentials. He wanted great, um, high-profile coordinators. Um, So, didn't fit their view. Jeffrey Laurie thought a better future uh, was on the horizon. So, anyways... Another name that I vaguely heard just once today for the the opening, which I was pretty excited about. Granted, I know it's never going to happen. Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley getting back with Jalen Hurts. Um, I love Lincoln Riley. I think I... I was praying for him last year when the Panthers had an opening. <laughs> um, granted, I, I like what the Panthers ended up becoming uh, so far in Matt Rule year one. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of coach they get, whether it's a veteran, first year, um, offense, defense. I think it has to be offense. As bad as their defense is, too, I think to – Mm-hmm. have the possibility of still resuscitating Carson Wentz's career, I think they have to have an offensive coach. Yeah, I think they definitely should go offense there. But um, no, just going back to what you were saying when we first got on the news part about the Eagles being the worst spot, I honestly personally think that the worst spot is the Texans. Because... One, I agree there. one, they might be trading Deshaun Watson because he doesn't want to be there anymore. And he's probably the only good piece they have there right now. So if they trade him, then they got nobody. And they have no draft picks thanks to Bill O'Brien trading away all those draft picks for Laramie well, Tunsil yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. I think the cupboard is pretty bare <laughs> mm-hmm. with the Texans. And J.J. Watt is a phenomenal guy. But 
he's injury prone, and I I think that situation is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Texans. I first. think you can get back to being like the Philadelphia Eagles, and their fan base is hardcore. So you might have to produce faster in Philadelphia, but I think Texans is a bad landing place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Texans' first draft pick comes in the third round at number 67 overall. But but if they if they would swing a trade, they can recoup all their draft picks, essentially. They got nothing to... Oh, well, yeah, they can trade just on Watson. Exactly. Uh, who knows? Which uh, I don't want what I've heard, but that's we'll get to that in a little bit. Some uh, defensive coordinator interviews that are happening around the league. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, they were interviewing secondary coach and defensive passing coordinator. Um, the Fal- uh, former Falcons, I don't even have his name. I don't know why I didn't put his name on there. I don't, I don't remember what his name is either. Um, so, nope. sorry for whatever your name is. I... I <laughs> I wrote former Falcon secondary and defensive pass game coordinator. So, um, if that's you, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they are also uh, interviewing Panthers defensive pass game coordinator and uh, secondary coach Jason Simmons, uh, as well as former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn, who I have heard is the favorite to get the job. He is in Dallas right now. Uh, for an in-person interview, and um, I heard that he could be the new Cowboys defensive coordinator in a couple days. As far as the Raiders defensive coordinator position, uh, they interviewed former Cowboys pass game coordinator Chris Richard um, for their D.C. spot in Vegas. The Bucks defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, he is getting head coaching interviews once again. Uh, interviewed with the Lions and Falcons. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> he's a great defensive coordinator. Exactly. He's a good defensive coordinator, not a good head coach. <laughs> um, the Texans, they are interviewing Ravens assistant head coach, wide receivers coach David Coley for their head coaching job. Uh, John Harbaugh apparently has talked highly of David. Uh, A couple GM notes here. The Saints executive, Terry Fontenot, uh, he is one of of two or three finalists for the Falcons job. Um, And the Patriots are keeping a guy, assistant director of player personnel, Dave Ziegler. Uh, He pulled out of the Broncos GM running. Um, to stay in New England and essentially take Nick Cesario's job as the de facto GM. <laughs> uh, and also a couple of interviews. The Lions, they are interviewing um, Colts assistant GM Ed Dodds for their GM spot. And also the Panthers interviewing uh, Seahawks vice president of football operations Scott Fitterer for their GM job couple of injuries that happened during the wild card games 
Washington defensive end Chase Young. He had a mild ankle sprain. Uh, he'll be fine for the offseason program. Seahawks safety Jamal Adams. Uh, he's going to probably end up having three different surgeries. Uh, he played during the game uh, on Saturday with a uh, torn labrum in his left shoulder. Uh, that one he will need surgery on, and also he's probably going to have to have surgery on his right shoulder as well as um, some fingers in his left hand. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Tell me how you feel about Jamal Adams. <laughs> I mean, he was definitely not worth all that, all those draft picks that the Seahawks sent the Jets, so. He's a great player, but he's not a franchise player. I agree. He he is a player that you plug in as the last piece. Uh, and then the Bucks, they're getting a couple people back uh, for their game against the Saints this week, activating D-tackle Steve McLennan and linebacker Devin White off the COVID list. Both are going to play. And the Rams have a whole host of injuries. Um, quarterback John Wolford, he has a stinger in his day-to-day. Uh, I know Sean McVay said they're still evaluating Derek Goff and how his thumb is doing after the game, uh, as well as uh, D-tackle Aaron Donald. I said he had a rib injury before, but um, they said he should be good to go this week. And then... Um, Wide receiver Cooper Cup has bursitis in his one knee, uh, and they're hoping that he can play um, against the Packers this week. So that's all the NFL news I have. Um, Everything on my Twitter line right now is all about Jeffrey Lurie's press conference. Um, Actually... The Chiefs are getting some defensive players back off the COVID list. They're going to get uh, linebacker Anthony Hitchens and defensive end Mike Dana off of the COVID list there. So getting some help against Lamar Jackson, or not Lamar Jackson, um, Baker Mayfield. And also the Bills defensive coordinator, uh, Leslie Frazier, he is getting an interview with the Texans for their head coaching job. Uh, and I think that's... Wow. Uh, that's interesting, actually. <laughs> the offensive tackle Jared Veld here. He started for the Colts at left tackle. Uh, against the Bills, and he is now signing with the Packers, um, <laughs> becoming the first player in NFL history to play for two teams in the same postseason. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so. I didn't know you could do that, but. Yeah, that's. Um, well, they have the new COVID practice rules in the postseason yeah. now where you don't have to. Um, Essentially, you don't have to go through all the stuff. If you're already on a team, I think that's how it is. If you're already on a team and they have already cleared you and you go to another team, 
you don't have to do uh, sit out for however many days, you know. Oh, this is saying that he was allowed to sign because he was part of the Colts practice squad. So that's why he's allowed to sign with the Packers in the same post. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Because he was already with the team. But he started at left tackle, though, against the Bills. Um, Because he was activated on game day. But, yeah, like I said, because he's already on the team, he's going to another team. He doesn't have to do everything that a street free agent would have to do. But, yeah. Anyways, let's go to the updated 2021 NFL draft order. We already saw uh, 1 through 18 last week. Um, But we now have teams 19 through 24. So, here it is. Washington at 19. Chicago at 20. Indianapolis at 21, Tennessee at 22, the Jets get the Seahawks pick at 23, and then the Steelers at number 24. Divisional weekend matchups here on Saturday and Sunday. We have the number one seeded Chiefs against the number six Browns, number two seeded Bills against number five Ravens. Um, the number one seeded Packers against the number six seeded Rams and the number two seeded Saints against the number five seeded Bucks. I didn't realize it was the same thing in both conferences. Yep. I, I, I just I now, just now. All the, all the teams, like the same team won in both conferences in all games. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I just said it right now. Yep. Um, but yeah. I was thinking about this morning. I was like, dude, I don't even know who I'm rooting for now. Um, you know, I think in the AFC, I'm rooting for the Bills. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm, that's my AFC team right now. As far as the NFC team, we already know I'm not rooting for the Rams. But I know a lot of people, well, I don't know if it's a lot of people would be surprised about this pick. But I am actually going to be rooting for Mr. Brady and the Buccaneers in the NFC. Just because I want to see him do it without Belichick. That's why. I want the opposite. I, I hate. I can't stand him. I want him to fail. But uh, no, I was. You answered my question. I was going to ask you that. Being a Panthers fan, I wonder. I, I was curious who you'd rather see win between those two, but uh, obviously I'll be rooting for the Saints all the way. But yeah, in the uh, AFC, I don't really know who I want because I can't root really for the Rams. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to be rooting for the Green Bay Packers. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers win another ring because the dude is is a is a beast, and the Packers have wasted many years. By not making correct draft choices. Yeah, but you have, you have, uh, two guys that are older than him. Though they they need they need theirs. <laughs> it's it's Breeze's last chance. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just I'll be rooting for the Packers. I'd love to see the Browns win it all. To be honest, I think it would be just hilarious. No. Obviously, Rusty doesn't want to see that because they knocked out the Steelers. But oh. I mean, that would just be that would make 2021 one of the best years ever. The the, the Chiefs. This is a precursor to Friday's show. 
the Chiefs are absolutely going to annihilate Cleveland in Kansas City. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with. <laughs> I'm just saying I think it. I think it would just be. I, it would be fun to see uh, just a franchise that has nope. just tur- turmoil and and downtrodden just win a Super Bowl. It'd be hilarious. We all saw what happened with uh, Juju and his comments about the Browns last week. But now Chase Claypool is saying stuff about the Browns, saying how they're going to get destroyed this week. So I just <laughs> watch out Steelers wide receivers. Yeah. Hey. Nope. Everybody I... wanted to see the Cubs win a World Series, but I'm a Cardinals fan and I hate the Cubs. But I don't hate the Jets or the Browns. In my lifetime, I want to see them win both win a Super Bowl. I really do. Yeah, and I will be the guy to get the Browns a Super Bowl. Just you just gotta wait. You just gotta wait a little longer, I'm, like twenty years. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, man. I will. I will hold you to that. In twenty years, you better win the Super Bowl for the Browns. That's that's <laughs> the place I have in my mind of wanting to go if I ever get a GM spot uh, opportunity. Uh, so let me know, Cleveland. I I swear. Uh, I'll come work as a. I'll come work as a uh, uh, one of the ticket guys when you get that job. You can be in the Baker commercials. You can be in the Baker commercials. Yeah. Granted, I don't think Baker Mayfield lasts that long. Nope. <laughs> he he would have to be. That would be that would be his twenty fourth year in the league. <laughs> Anyways, uh, pick standings here. Chris, we already know you won, uh, but I have to put this up again because we have one more game. The only game that we're picking of college football on the Monday show this entire season. The college football playoff national championship. Oh, man, can I change it? We always <laughs> suck when we all pick the same team. Presented by AT&T, number three, Ohio State, 7-0. and Against number one Alabama, twelve and zero. Alabama nine point favorites at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. Yes, we are all on the tide. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I may have picked Alabama, but I'll be rooting for Ohio State. No, because uh, I know you don't like Ohio State because you're a Penn State fan, but I'm rooting for Ohio State because I need uh, Justin Fields to perform really well. And possibly upset Alabama, so that raises the price of the number two pick. Yeah. Um. I I really don't like either team uh, as a fan, but I think the Alabama offense is better than the Ohio State offense. I don't think either defense is that great. Um, but just like the Alabama offense is, I think, actually, I think the Alabama offense is a lot better than the Ohio State offense, considering Jalen Waddle is going to be playing in this game. Um, but I think the Alabama defense is just a tad bit better than Ohio State's defense. Um, I think, so, yeah. for me, the speed on the outside, you know, even if Waddle doesn't play, I think that's the one area that hurts Ohio State is their cornerbacks. So that's why I picked 
Alabama. But I will say I I looked into the, the game against Clemson a little bit more, and Ohio State's got a strong – their defensive line pushed around Clemson. And if they can get pressure, you know, that's that's going to be the key for them, getting pressure on Mac Jones so he doesn't get it downfield. But I, I'd say it's another Florida-type game. It's I mean, I, I could see this being 58-46, 46-42 easily. Please. Mm-hmm. Please do. There, There is a guy that is sitting in this room that possibly may or may not be wearing a Penguins jersey that has a bet <laughs> on over 75. I think it's high scoring. I really so, do. And I think it'll be fun to watch. <laughs> you know, 75 is a lot of points, but like I said, I don't think either defense is that great. Um, this is kind of the quintessential new era national championship of offensive college football. Uh, One thing that I was happy to see was um, Jeffrey Laurie in his presser today said that Deuce Staley will be a candidate for the head coaching job. That's cool. Yeah. I thought that he should have been the offensive coordinator two years ago. Uh, I agree with you. But they just like, well, we're going to add assistant head coach to your job title. That's that's good enough, right? No, it's not. He should have been the offensive coordinator. Uh, anyways, that is all we have today. We'll, we'll have the uh, matchups for the championship weekend uh, next Monday. We will also be uh, breaking down all of the divisional round matchups. Uh, games that happen this weekend, uh, as well as have all the NFL NCAA news. I think there's going to be some more news next week. Um, so I think I, I have an inkling that there will be at least one head coach hire this week. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know how because there's a lot of candidates that are in the playoffs still um, that can't get hired yet officially, but they can still interview. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I think think a couple, one of the coaching dominoes is gonna fall next week. Oh yeah, have a gut feeling. I'm I've enjoyed it. Hope to see you guys Friday. Yeah, uh, we will be back on Friday, like Mark said, um, for Football Friday, having a more in-depth preview of the divisional matchups uh, than what we had today. Um, but. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FA Podcast on uh, Instagram and Twitter as well as here on Facebook. Uh, hit the subscribe button on Spotify. And we'll see y'all on Friday. Look forward to it.